With us today is Robert F. Kennedy, Jr., and he's a great environmentalist, a, a, a man uh, that uh, always cared about the people. I've known him for uh, 30, 40 years, probably longer. And uh, uh, Mr. Kennedy, tell us, you're running for a campaign for President of the United States. Your name recognition is way up there. Uh, you've already uh, have a polling of 20% or more. Uh, how's the uh, election going? So far, so good, John. Um, I mean, I'm having fun. I'm getting to, you know, talk uh, to a lot of people that I haven't been able to talk to because of the censorship for many, many years. And um, my family is happy, and you know, I I feel peaceful and content. And so, and I and they, you know, as you say, that my polling numbers keep climbing up. So so far, so good. And uh, if people asked you uh, the difference between uh, President Biden and yourself, uh, besides your age difference, which you're, you're much younger, uh, how would you describe uh, the, your, your differences uh, on what you want to accomplish for uh, the United States versus what uh, President Biden wants? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've known President Biden for 40 years, um, almost as long as I've known you. He's been a, he's a very, very close personal friend of my family's and of me. I've had a wonderful relationship with him and uh, and I have, a you know, in a congenial relationship. There's three members of my family who are working in his administration and you know our relationships are very close but i have basic fundamental differences from don't i think his policy in expanding the war and pursuing the war in ukraine is misguided and extremely dangerous we went in there on a humanitarian mission we were told and yet that mission has now changed to a little broader mission, which is to degrade and exhaust the Russian army. This is what uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin confided publicly. And President Biden has said that it's about regime change in Russia. Those are existential threats to Russia that it simply cannot afford to lose this war. And we are playing the Ukraine in a geopolitical proxy war with the Russians that has already killed more than 300,000 Ukrainians. There's a 60% unemployment rate. The, the infrastructure of the country has been ruined. And the flower of Ukrainian youth are being sacrificed in a, in a geopolitical struggle that is, uh, you know, that, that, that is not being conducted properly. Uh, we should be compromising. Uh, so that's one of the issues. The other, my other, you know, I, Mr. Biden is for censorship. I'm against it. Uh, the White House has actively, we now know from the Twitter files, been trying to censor me, been ordering and pressuring the, the social media platforms to censor me and many, many other people. Anybody who is, who dissents from some of his policies are, are are censored and that is not that's something that has always been antithetical to the democratic party i don't like 
the fact that our foreign policy is being dictated by neocons, um, that we have become the, pharma, the, the party of big corporations, the pharmaceutical companies and Wall Street, rather than middle-class Americans. And we have now a war being conducted against the middle class in this country. The lockdowns for which we got nothing cost $16 trillion. The war in Iraq, which is, was a neocon war, we got nothing for, for that. Uh, we left Iraq worse than we found it. We killed more Iraqis than Saddam Hussein. We created ISIS. We flooded Europe with 2 million refugees that have destabilized democracy all over Europe. And the same people are back in the White House conducting the Iraq war. So, you know, those are some of the issues that I differ with him on. I feel like my country is being stolen and my party is being stolen. And I feel like uh, I need to speak out against that. Well, uh, you know, uh, Robert, you know I was a Bill Clinton Democrat and, and I agreed with like 90% of what Bill Clinton did and I admired him. And uh, things are not the same way right now, and I, I, I'm concerned for, uh, for our country. Uh, what's going on on the borders is wrong, and the amount of drugs coming through the borders, nobody's doing anything about. What say you about that? I say that we have, should have closed borders and that we should expand immigration. It's not racist or insensitive to say that we need to close our border and have an orderly immigration policy. I would expand immigrate legal immigration to this country that's orderly, that makes sense for our country, but I would make sure also that our borders are impervious. Because right now, uh, you know, I've, I was talking to somebody, and in between... It's a humanitarian crisis that we now yes. have on the border. It's cruel to... The people who've been drawn up there by... It's a crisis. You know, these, you know, by, by all these open-door policies and, you know, the, all the children who are being victimized because of this, as you say, the drugs that are coming across, the, uh, the fentanyl, et cetera. We have a crisis, and we need to close our border. And we also need to understand the reason that all of these people are coming to the border is traced back the U.S. policies in Central America, which have been, you know, the, virtually we've, had, we've gone to war with every country except for Costa Rica. We have policies that subjugate the poor, that put corporations, elevate corporate control of those countries, U.S. multinationals, and that uh, are belligerent and punish the poor with murder the poor. With you know, with periodic wars in Guatemala and Salvador, Panama, etc. The only country that we've never invaded in Central America is Costa Rica, and that's the one group that you won't see at the border. So it's not Costa Ricans who are coming. It's now the, the richest country in Central America per capita and the most stable government, because we've never gone in there and invaded them. And we need to change our policies toward Central and Latin America. Make those policies humane base. Um, help those countries, as my uncle tried to do with the Alliance for Progress and with USAID to build the middle class in those countries so that they don't feel the need to leave their family, leave their 
and, and endure these terrible journeys through thousands of miles and, uh, and risk their lives and their children's lives to flee to the United States. And so many of them are dying, too. And, you know, the other big item besides the border is a lot of their our allies. Saudi Arabia has been our ally forever. All of a sudden, they're turning around against us and uh, are siding with Iran. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I think we're losing Brazil. I think Argentina is going with the Chinese. I mean, why are our allies, traditional allies for America, for the last 50 years, 70 years, turning against us? Because we have a failed foreign policy, John, that's based upon projection of military power. And that is what the neocons brought to our country. I'm saying that we, you know, we won the Cold War. This is their document, the Project for a New American Century, Wolf Gowitz and Rumsfeld, and Victoria Newland, who is back in the White House dictating foreign policy right now. We won the Cold War. And now we deserve to have an American century that's enforced through force of arms in all the countries to establish American hegemony through military power across the globe. And it's a failed it's a failed philosophy. It's a failed strategy. The Chinese have done exactly the opposite. The Chinese, instead of projecting military power, have projected economic power. Yes, and the, the Chinese I, the Chinese do not want a, a nuclear war. The Chinese do not want a fighting war. But they are kicking the, the crap out of us economically. Well, here's what the Chinese did. After 9-11, after the Iraq war, we went to war for, against Iraq preemptively for no reason. Iraq didn't do anything to us. We spent $8.1 trillion on this that war in its aftermath in Yemen and Sudan, in Syria, in, in Lebanon, et cetera. And during the time that we spent $8.1 trillion bombing bridges, bombing ports, bombing hospitals and homes, and the Chinese spent the exact same amount, $8.1 trillion, building ports, building bridges, building airstrips, building roads in countries all over Africa, Latin America, and Asia. And as it turns out, that's been a much better strategy. Our strategy in the Mideast was called the Shia Crescent. Saudi Arabia was the keystone. And then the Arab Emirates, the, the uh, Oman, Qatar, uh, Abu Dhabi, and up through Lebanon, and Syria were supposed to be a Shia crescent that would contain the expansion and the ambitions of Iran. What happened a month ago is Saudi Arabia brokered a deal between, I mean, China brokered a deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran. So our whole philosophy, our whole military strategy, the the entire American empire collapsed. Because the Chinese went in and used their economic power to build real friendships with these countries and real trust without strings attached. And the Saudi Arabians, or um, Mohammed bin Salam, two weeks after that, dropped oil production during an American inflationary spiral, which, of course, aggravates inflation in our country. The Saudis have never done that before. 
And a week after that, he explained his rationale. He said, we don't care what the Americans think anymore. So we put a trillion dollars a year into supporting these bases, 800 bases around the world, trying to bribe with military weaponry, Saudi Arabia and all these countries. And the whole keystone of that strategy collapsed inside of one month in March. And that is the failure. And I'll tell you something, John. When my uncle was president, he was surrounded by a military industrial complex and intelligence apparatus that was constantly trying to get him to go to war in Laos, Vietnam, et cetera. He refused. He said that the job of the American president is to keep the nation out of war. He refused to send combat troops into Vietnam. And I agreed. I agreed with your uncle, and I agreed. And let me ask you a question. I mean, I've never asked you this before. Who do you think really killed your uncle? Well, I think there's overwhelming evidence that the CIA was involved in this murder. I think it's beyond a reasonable doubt at this point. People, you know, who question that, I'll tell you the book, you know, a book that, that probably distills the millions of documents of evidence, including confessions of people who were involved in the crime and the, and the 60 year cover up. Um, the best kind of distillation of that is a book called The Unspeakable by Jim Douglas. And I, of course, read probably 100 books on the subject. Let me ask you I, one more I question. That book is the best. I've said publicly and on the radio that the same people that killed your, your uncle killed Martin Luther King and killed your father? Well, in terms of my father's death, in terms of my uncle's death, the evidence is overwhelming that the CIA was involved in the murder and the cover-up. The evidence of the CIA involvement in my father's death is very convincing, but it's circumstantial. But we do not have the, you know, the, the really strong documentary and testimonial evidence that we have in my uncle. But we, the, the best, the best evidence suggests that my father was killed by Eugene Thanksgiving. Say, Sirhan Sirhan fired his shots. He fired eight shots, two of them toward my father. One of them hit Paul Schrade, who was my father's friend and a UAW leader. The second shot he fired at my father hit the door jam behind my father and was later removed from, by the police. Sirhan was then pounced upon by six men and bent over the steam table, and his firing arm was directed away from my father. But they, Rayford Johnson said he had superhuman strength. They could not get the pistol away from him, so he emptied the barrel. He emptied the chamber. He fired six other shots, and all of those shots hit people. So we know, and we know what happened to all the shots. Robert, I, I remember that day like yesterday. There were 77 eyewitnesses. Sirhan was always in front of my father. My father, the autopsy by Thomas Noguchi shows was killed by four shots that were hit that hit him yeah. from behind. They were all contact shots. 
see the barrel of the gun was touching his skin or his clothes at the time the trigger was pulled. Those shots were almost certainly fired by the security guard who was holding his elbow at the time and directing him toward the ambush, towards Sirhan's ambush. That man is called Eugene Payne Caesar. He was an intelligence operative who worked at the Lockheed plant and the Boeing plant and had gotten the job as a security guard for my father three days earlier. He, he publicly made statements uh, that he hated the Kennedys. He particularly hated Robert Kennedy because he thought Robert Kennedy was going to turn the country over to the blacks. This was his statement. Um, he died two years ago. I was in communication with him at the time, uh, asking to come over to the Philippines where he fled afterwards. And by the way, he was seen by 12 eyewitnesses with his gun out. He never denied it. He said that he pulled his gun to shoot at Surahan. When my father fell, he must have known that he was being shot from behind because he turned around and pulled off Cesar's clip on tie, and then he fell backwards on top of Cesar. When Cesar got up, he was holding his gun, which was seen, as I say, by a dozen eyewitnesses. But he later, the gun was not confiscated by the LAPD. He later lied about what he did with the gun, and uh, and he he, lied, he changed his story repeatedly about why he got his, he had his gun out and who he was firing at. Robert, I want, I want to continue this discussion. We're out of time, but I wanted to continue this discussion again in the near future. And, you know, you, what we're talking about is about part of American history. And uh, keep fighting for America. I understand the differences between you and President Joe, Joe Biden. And uh, we'll continue our conversation. Thank you so much for coming on this Sunday morning. Thanks for having me, guys.